The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What's up, guys? Welcome to the first ever episode 163 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. As always, I'm Tim Geddes, joined by one of the coolest dudes in video games, Greg Miller. Brap, brap. We're still taking it back. Oh, I love wow. that. And another one of the coolest dudes in video games, Jared Petty. Doki, doki. Doki, doki, indeed. And oh. joining us for the very first time in the show, a very special guest, the Senior Manager of Publishing and Developer Relations and face of the Nintendo Nindy Showcase. Nindy. Yes. Baker. David Baker, yay! Thank you, thank you. If you're the Doki Doki, I'm the panic. Oh, okay. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> oh, I love that. David, thank you very much for joining of us. Course, uh, of we first met at E3 last year. Yeah. Uh, at uh, Way Rooster back. Team. We go so yeah, far back. Yeah, we go so far back. And it, it was fantastic because uh, we were catching up and talking, and, about, and I realized that you're essentially the Geo Corsi of Nintendo, oh, nice. which is great because our audience. Loves Geo Corsi. Yeah. Geo Corsi, him yeah. coming out, supporting all the, the smaller titles in the indies yeah. and stuff. And, you know, seeing you do that for Nintendo has been really interesting and cool. And I was a huge fan of you when you did the first Nindy Showcase uh, video last I'm year. blushing. Yeah. Thank uh, you very Because much. I thought it was really cool that there was kind of a, a face to the to the Nindy line and to mm. all that stuff. And the way that it wasn't a Nintendo Direct, it's kind of its own thing. Yeah. And the reason we have you here today is because there was just the latest one, the Spring 2018 Showcase, and we got to play a bunch of the games at GC. Excellent. So we're going we're gonna to talk about all of those. But ladies and gentlemen, this is the Kind of Funny Games cast each and every week right here on youtube.com slash kind of funny games we get together to talk about video games all the things that we love about them you can get the show early by going to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where there's a pre-show a post show you can watch live right now or you can get the show early every friday it goes live to everyone else on monday on youtube.com slash kind of funny games either way you listen or watch you can listen on podcast services around the globe including spotify we appreciate it very much thank you guys for everything but I want to get right into the show. Thank you. That was my question that I <laughs> wanted to get into. As the LaCroix expert, what was your takeaway from him grabbing a peach pear? Well, you hand that to him. So here's the problem. is uh, Cool Greg is the guy that, that gets all the LaCroix and puts them in the fridge. Yeah. We're running low on options right now for cold LaCroix. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, you want warm okay, LaCroix. Okay. You got every yeah, go on the running options. Colors yeah. of the rainbow going on, uh, but I had to give them the offer of some of my less favorite of the, gotcha. the flavors. So I'm sorry for that. No, it's very gracious. Now, you know, full disclosure, I did ask which one is your favorite. I didn't want to hog all of your favorite. And LaCroix. I appreciate it. he was like trying to take the the hit. He's like, you know what? I'll take whatever you don't want. And I'm like, you know, dude, I want it all. I'm just that, addicted to that's this. That's chivalrous. Point. What is your favorite? Uh, uh, passion fruit. Passion fruit. Yeah. Yeah. There's another 600 cases coming your way. Yeah, I know. Let's, let's, let's go. I just want to uh, interject for a second. Yes. Okay. Uh, hold on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Kevin Coelho from KindOfFunny.com. You have a question. I just want to inform you guys that we are on purpose trying to get a mix of flavors gone, so that the last like six months isn't just stuff that we hate. Well, just I appreciate that. Keep feeding me apricot and peach pear, and I'm good all day. Do we need a challenge of how many of these I can get through over the course of this next hour? Oh, no. trust me. You will lose. Whatever you do, uh, Tim will at least double. <laughs> <laughs> Just naturally. He'll also at some point quiet, silently get up and leave to go pee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the time. Uh, so, Damon, how, what, what's your life been like the last two years <laughs> with the Switch? Because you, you used to do marketing at Nintendo for a long time, even during the, the Wii U time. When did you start doing that? Um, well, my time at Nintendo started almost 12 years ago. I started off uh, heading up the brand licensing program. So basically anything with Mario's face on it, I was licensing that, you know, on T-shirts and toys and, and stuff Cereal. like that. Uh, <laughs> that was the, the lull between cereals uh, was my <laughs> the dark era. dark times we call them. <laughs> yes, exactly. Before you move on from that, actually, if you don't mind, sure. what is the most interesting place you've ever found Mario's face? <laughs> um, we did... Um, we did have a line of underwear. Oh, wow. Um, that had, um, you know, certain innuendos 
um, affiliated, you know, be like a coin block and it'd say like, I'd hit that. Mm. It was very tasteful, very tasteful. <laughs> um, uh, very popular, very popular. But uh, yeah, um, there was some some interesting. Can I still uh, get those stuff. underwear? Because I would get those underwear. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I'd wear those too. We'll dig through the archives and see what we have available. <laughs> see what right. small size you got. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I was doing that, um, for a few years and then, um, uh, Steve Singer, um, over at Nintendo, uh, of America took over the licensing program. Uh, originally I was working with Gail Tilden, um, who had been, uh, with the company, uh, for a really long time. She started up like Nintendo power. She oh, was wow. really affiliated with like the, uh, the start of the Pokemon program over there. So speaking with her, I mean, you were mentioning, um, uh, link to the past. Oh my God. Like when I first started there, just geeking out with her over old Nintendo power issues and the sweepstakes and the giveaways that they, they used to do. And, um, the maps that I wore out by, you know, um, opening and closing the dragon quest map over and over and over again Mm -hmm. to find out where I was supposed to go next. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so geeked out with her for ages over there when she retired, uh, moved over to Steve Singer's team and they made a position for me to head up uh, marketing for third party. They'd never really had that type of uh, focus before. And that was in the wee days. Um, so riding that, um, that tremendous wave at that time. So getting to work with like EA on the Tiger Woods program, um, which was awesome to get him like swinging a oh, Wii yeah. remote oh, for the yeah. first time. And you know, that you could actually uh, kind of live out um, <laughs> that real world golf fantasy that I'm sure everybody has. Um, but uh, it was uh, crazy, uh, crazy. So got to do marketing. And, uh, and along that time, um, started working really closely with uh, indie developers mm-hmm. um, that were coming over uh, during the, the Wii days, during the DS days, then mm-hmm. onto the 3DS, uh, and then onto the Wii U. And that's when we started really pushing that in a, in a bigger way uh, because we were seeing so much excitement and new ideas and risk-taking from the indie community um, to do new things with like the hardware that we had. Yeah. Um, so that was a ton of fun, but in the last couple of years, you know, as your crack research team has found out, um, I, I kind of, uh, transitioned into this new role, uh, again, kind of starting up a new team that was focused on account management. Uh, in the past, it was always, everybody kind of used their own connections within the third party team at Nintendo. And that's how we were driving a lot of our business. So I, uh, was asked to help centralize that for North America and work with major publishers, but also kind of rally the troops around uh, the indie program. And uh, that has been a ton of fun and driving that Nindies program. And it's super cheesy, but it's also the community, the indie developers have kind of all um, embraced that as a badge of honor. They all share the yeah. information, they share yeah. their experiences, and there's a lot of pride in being affiliated well, as a Nindy these What days. a dream come true, I'm sure. I mean, everybody grows up playing Nintendo, right? Everybody yeah. wants to get their game on a Nintendo, and I think for a long time it seemed like that was hard to do. How do you do that? PlayStation, Xbox, we're very vocal, and this is how, and, da, 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 and like what you're doing now, and not to mention the runaway success of the Switch, and every story I hear of like, it sold more copies on the Switch than any other platform combined. You know? Yeah, we love that. We send lots of cases of LaCroix to those people. But it's, it's, it's a dream come true, because growing up playing games in general, but especially being a Nintendo fanboy, it was really fun to be able to work with these developers and you can see it in their eyes. It's not just, um, talk to, you know, uh, exploiting a system or exploiting an opportunity. These are people that grew up that, uh, playing these games and these systems has been fundamental in, in the development of their own careers. And it makes you, man, it's infectious. It makes you want to try that much harder to make sure that they do well on the platform. And so we've up, tra- those are sirens in our world, not your car. <laughs> Don't pull the car over. <laughs> world time. Um, yeah. If, if I say something wrong, then those sirens will go off and <laughs> Reggie will be, uh, in the car. Was that, was that restructuring in that, that team creation tied to the switch or mm. it was specifically in, uh, preparation for what we were anticipating with Nintendo switch. We just, we, we knew that there was going to be, a warm reception, but we also knew that 
you know, the, the Wii U was a really tough system for a lot of our third party partners. Uh, we, we had some, some advocacy there, but it was, it was tough, um, tough to uh, develop for tough to, um, have that breakthrough, uh, in terms of, uh, audience, uh, reception, uh, tough to actually message what it was. And with, from the very beginning with Nintendo switch, we knew exactly what it was. We could explain it succinctly. We could say, yes, this is a console experience that you can take on the go. Mm -hmm. And from the very beginning there, like it was just a, a much easier proposition to be able to rally the troops and get people on board with it. So that's been fun. It's, it's fun to see positive reception for it, for sure. <laughs> what was the internal process like uh, going from the WiiWare and guess iWare days mm. and through Wii U and into now Nindy's being such a cornerstone of the business? What was the internal process like for that? How, how did that narrative evolve within Nintendo? It's interesting. Um, the evolution from each of those generations, I mean, uh, you guys are probably familiar with Dan Edelman. He was on board and we were working really closely with him. He was uh, instrumental in, in really creating this program from the beginning and driving it. Um, the process though with Wii and with DS is that there was a different model where Nintendo actually controlled the release dates and the pricing of all of that digital content. When we transitioned over to uh, Wii U and to Nintendo 3DS, we opened up uh, support for self-publishing. Mm. And we really wanted to encourage this larger um, uh, development community to be able to go out there and to really dictate you know, the way that their games should come out and um, give them that flexibility. So we had to create a lot of new programs from scratch in order to allow that to happen. It's why uh, with the Wii U and the, with the 3DS, we've got an open dev environment. So anybody can apply, anybody can actually develop for those systems. You just have to register and you get access to dev kits and you can, you can plug away with it. With Nintendo Switch, we decided to go with a closed development environment, mm -hmm. mostly because of uh, demand. <laughs> um, at the very beginning, we were having trouble keeping up with uh, producing hardware, I dev kits, imagine. all of that kind of stuff. Also establishing a new infrastructure around new hardware takes some time. So we decided to be more particular about the type of content that was coming in, um, but still relying on those relationships that we had established from the previous generations to really... Mm -hmm. Uh, build a really good foundation and, and a good place to start. And so far, it's it's been a ton of work, but, and I can't believe that it's only been a year because it feels like it's been a decade, <laughs> but like in the last year, it's just been such a warm reception for that type of content coming over oh, yeah. to the oh, platform. Yeah. Like, it's interesting to me uh, with, you know, a, a huge Nintendo fan I have in my entire life. Uh, I know, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> Who would have thought? Uh, but I am also a big fan of their marketing and specifically mm. of the directs and how they do them. I've, mm. I've been a fan of the directs since they first started, but kind of seeing them evolve over yeah. time has been really interesting. And I feel like the Switch has been such a shift in, in how Nintendo uh, not only talks about its products, but the, the way that things like release dates are announced or just trailers are revealed mm. and... Um, even just having different names for Nindy Showcase versus Nintendo Presentation yeah. versus Direct Mini versus Direct. Like, I, I like that there's kind of just different um, like buckets that these things can be dropped into. Yeah. And I also love the the speed at which where it's like, we're not wasting time. Like, this new showcase that just happened. Was oh, like my God. Blink and you minutes. miss it, man. We, yeah. we raced through like 14 titles in like 10 or 11 <laughs> minutes. It was yeah. crazy. And it's like, so what, what's kind of the methodology behind separating those things differently? And like, how in charge are you of kind of just making sure that the, like what goes into direct, like why does Travis strikes again go here versus there? Yeah, that's a really good question. I can say that it's not any one person's decision. I mean, it's constant communication uh, globally with uh, our head office in Japan, NCL, and then also our European division, NOE. And just kind of putting all of our ideas together in terms of here are the cool things that we know about. These are the different messages. Some may be high profile, higher profile. Uh, some might be things that are like under the radar, but deserve to get a bit more visibility and awareness. But yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because we have all of these different brands. I think what I do worry about is that everything kind of gets lumped into this very accessible idea of Nintendo Direct is a video but there's really only technically certain number of Nintendo directs that are ever produced because they're a different way that they're made, a different production um, value and um, different types of content that goes into it. So 
what I'm just really happy about is to have more and more opportunities to promote all of this content to as wide of an audience as possible. And I think the Nintendo directs really started by Nintendo seeing that we could actually control a message. You know, Mm -hmm. we we used to do the press conferences at, at E3 every year. Um, but you always run the risk of there being a technical malfunction or the something. Controller isn't on. being read right. So yeah, the yeah. game doesn't look the way it's supposed to, and totally. everybody freaks out online. Totally, it's Some almost like that's happened like before. <laughs> Surely <laughs> not. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but it's uh, it, you know, in, it, there's uh, a lot of risk, especially in terms of leaks and, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. You know, it's having this this um, uh, high production value video that is come together that can be planned out in advance, that confidentiality can be ensured around it, and uh, you can make something really special and relevant for the people tuning in. And you can reach more people um, Mm -hmm. around the world. it takes a, a ton of work to coordinate all of those efforts. To make sure worldwide. nothing goes wrong. Yeah. Goes, yeah, but it's uh, it's worthwhile. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah. So with, from those from those videos from the directs or the showcases, whatever they are, there's yeah. usually the trailer videos will go up. And yeah. you know, as a frequenter of Reset Era and other forums, like mm-hmm. it's always a big deal when people are like, oh my god, this YouTube video is breaking records for Nintendo or yeah. whatever. Like, do you guys look at that? Like, do you look at how many views the YouTube videos are getting? There's a lot of analysis um, and comparing how different things have performed versus other um, and always looking at how we can improve that or what works, what doesn't work. You know, maybe especially with a global focus, um, you know, uh, we've done a lot of experimentation in terms of what time we go live, you know, because. You know, with a time here on the West Coast uh, in North America, may you know, it has a different implication in terms of when that is going live in Europe and when that's going live in Japan. So I think we've played around with a lot of stuff. Um, there's a lot of experimentation. Uh, I personally am always looking at um, the forums and seeing reaction, even though I shouldn't be. <laughs> I remember back in the day, like one of the first videos I did, um, I made the mistake of going on to NeoGAF right afterwards and... Somebody wrote like, this guy looks like a thumb. And I'm like, the first image I had in my head was of spy kids, like the bad guys. <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, like what do I got to step up? But I mean, those I got to stop looking like a thumb. Huh? I know, exactly. Um, so, I mean, there can be distractions and everything, but I think the takeaway is we're, we're always taking a look at what's going on. And I think one thing, at least uh, um, in, in my department and, and on behalf of third party, I mean, we're always looking at um, uh, what the fans are saying and the audience reaction, media reaction to things and um, using that as as something to build towards the decisions that we're making for the future as well. Something all platforms, I think, are, are grappling with right now is discovery uh, mm. with a surplus of, of product and new games being developed constantly, yeah. especially in the independent spaces. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, curation and discovery is, is a challenge. And I like popping into my Switch every week and finding such a wide assortment of new games. But I wonder how Nintendo plans on dealing with Discovery in the coming years, especially when it comes to the Nindies and uh, and your role in that. Yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, it's definitely front of mind, um, both for an on-device experience as well as Mm off-device. So. Um, you know, we, we hope that most of our fans are going to the eShop every single week to see what's new, but we can't rely on that mm-hmm. either. So, yeah, I mean, uh, there are a lot of discussions going on internally, and we're looking at how we can uh, improve different processes both on and off device. But the things that we can absolutely control is the, the uh, cadence of messaging that's coming out and the more videos that we can do. I mean, personally, I don't want to have to wait like every six months in order to do another big Nindy announcement. I feel like we've got so much great content coming out on a regular basis that mm-hmm. we can be putting out, you know, different ways of, of making announcements, um, you know, a much more regular basis. And so mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of things are being worked on at the moment um, to kind of address the, the fact that there's so much great content coming over, um, we have a responsibility to help people find it. Well, what I loved about what you guys have been doing, and even I'm talking about like weekly releases, not just like these giant events, is the fact that you're putting out such a breadth of content that when it goes out, 
like you know, I, I walked around the Nindy Showcase mm. at uh, GDC this week, and it's totally one of those things that I glance, I can identify the games that speak to me, yeah. go play them, and then talk about them. But then when Brian Altano from my gene walks in, he sees different things and right. those games, and goes right. play something different than I do. And even though every week it seems like there's 18 games, every Thursday <laughs> I'm kind of funny games daily. I'm like, well, there's 11 Switch games. If I don't say Switch, if I don't say a platform, it's only on Switch. Uh, that's happening, but since so many people are using the system and are jumping in there and are playing stuff, they're finding new games that I don't think you'd normally hear about, but they're, yeah. they're finding what they like and then talking about it, and you're seeing it spread still. To lead back to, this is this is selling better than any other platform. Mm. This is outselling everything because there's still a hungry group there, and since so many people are excited about it, they're actually involved with it. Yeah, it's really nice of you to say that. Um, we're trying really hard to make sure that there's a breadth of content. There's a, a variety of things mm -hmm. that there really is something for everyone in there. Um, and we're also really fortunate that there's such strong word of mouth too, because yeah. mm -hmm. yeah. it's one thing, I mean, I could go out there and say, you should play this game, but who's going to listen to this schmuck? You know, it's, it, but if your friend tells you that you should go sure. and, and play this game, you're going to trust their opinion. You're going to, you're going to at least check it out. You know? Absolutely. And, that, and it was yeah. that thing, This it was you this week, I want to say in games industry, but someone, Ernest Kotaku asked mm -hmm. you about the top 10 selling switch oh, indies, yeah. right? And you I put them out there. Oh, Steam and World it, Dig 2, Stardew mm -hmm. Valley. Kamiko, Celeste, Fast RMX, Golf Story, Enter the Gungeon, Overcooked, NBA Playgrounds, and Shovel Knight Treasure Trove. And that's such a diverse selection of games, yeah, right? right? And it's not, if you were to ask me and I started rattling off, I don't. I think I'd miss a lot of those. Like, Enter the Gungeon is awesome. Yeah. And it's mm -hmm. rad that it's got, it's found an audience on Switch, let alone one that big. Yeah. What's cool to me, though, is looking at that this list, I can identify why I think it made made the list. And a lot of it goes back to, uh, the way that it was shown off in the different sure. showcases or things like Celeste, it is the, the word of mouth, Fast oh. RMX being there early. Golf Story, uh, we were all crazy for Lee. Yeah. Golf Story, and that was totally from the, the showcase yeah. where it's like, it's when it's put next to other games that you've heard of, like Steam World Dig 2, yeah. and that you're excited for, like, oh, if I know the quality of this game, the things around it are probably somewhere close. And I, I think it's interesting to see things like Kamiko that came out at a time when people are just like, I don't know what the hell this is. I haven't heard it talked about anywhere, but. It's on the eShop, and I want to give something a shot. Yeah, and I love that they're side-by-side side with other games that may never make this top 10 list, but that are totally worth your time, and that they're allowing you to go, oh, this is their next step. What is that? Something like Blaster Master Zero, which is mm. you know probably never going to be a top 10 seller, but somebody put way too much TLC into, and oh, it's, it's just brilliant. delightful. Yeah. I love that game. Yeah, And, and <laughs> it's just superb, and, and there's a lot of that in there. I. I am an old Nintendo complainer from the, from their virtual console days when it, when it went from five to four to three to two a week. And I was like, no, where are my games? And I love that that there really is more this, you know, we're just going to give people a chance to like lots of different things and land in their niche and be okay with that. I am enjoying this approach. I really appreciate mm. it. Well, thank you. I can't take for all of it. But, uh, just do it. Just take it. Just say, it. just say it's all you. But it's it's been a tremendous team effort and it really it it warms my heart to see people so receptive to it. It's it's really nice to see. You know, I again as somebody that is addicted to video game forums, uh, especially the the pre-hype cycle going into directs and things, um, and seeing everybody get excited about stuff and kind of predict what might what might be there, what they hope is there and all of that. Uh, when it comes to the Nindy showcases, like especially the summer one last year, because mm. GDC last year, there was the first spring one, and that was even before the Switch came out, uh, where yeah. a lot of the Indies were announced, and that was really exciting because there were some big ones there. Uh, but it wasn't until the summer one that we we got to see, like, oh, we're getting Steam World, We're getting like a lot of these big indie games that people yeah. were hoping for. Rocket League was one of them that wasn't there mm. yet, but then at yeah. E3, that was announced. Um, for this indie thing, we were doing a predictions episode on, I think it was us two on Games Daily last week. Yeah. And I couldn't really, I'm like, well, they kind of got a lot of the big indie games that are are possible. Mm. Um, and it's like, what what is going to be that thing? And I like that we're at a point now where, yeah, there's things like Banner Saga that gets mm. announced. But it is just like, oh, there's a lot of stuff that you might, you've never heard of. No. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. What's the mentality in Nintendo now in terms of, is it about just let's get the game on the system? Or is there a focus on, we want it to be an exclusive indie? Or a focus mm. on, it doesn't need to be exclusive, but we want an exclusive feature? Or first on switch like where's the priority um i i have different opinions than other people do on this <laughs> um i think the exclusivity message is something that's easy to rally behind it's easy to identify as that being a point of differentiation so it's easy to go hey look these are all exclusives or have an exclusivity window and so we can all lump them together 
Um, I don't put as much value behind exclusivity, at least in terms of indie content, because mm -hmm. these guys have to make business decisions that are right for them. And mm -hmm. to strong arm them into committing to just one platform when they could be coming out on all platforms at the same time, it, it feels unfair. It, it, so I, I like the first reveal messaging, and that's what I really like to, to get behind is if we can be the first platform announcing a title, then automatically people associate it with that. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But you're not, you're not putting that developer in an, in a difficult position. Mm -hmm. Um, so my level of priority there is, is more on the first reveals. And that's why you see in the Nindy showcases, there's a huge focus on this is the first time this has been announced or confirmed for sure. Nintendo switch. Um, I think the thing that we can do a better job about is then closing the loop on the titles that we've previously talked about. Mm. So every one of these Nindy showcases, it's about announcing what's new, what's coming out in the future. And we're trying to be better about these are the titles that we know are supposed to come out within the next three to six months. Sometimes that gets bumped out. It's Call indie development, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's almost like a bad word at this point. Um, but I, I think, uh, but to that point, it's it's also it seems like a great opportunity for us to then go back and close the loop on something like a pocket rumble mm -hmm. and work with Chucklefish and see, you know, how do we announce when it's going to be coming out and and why people should be excited about the amount of time that it's it's taken to get here. Mm -hmm. So. I personally want to look for more of those types of opportunities to provide more regular updates. And, uh, and because when I look at the forums, the anticipation for something like an indie showcase is, is awesome. But a lot of the asks are like, it's for us to close the loop. It's like, okay, we want an update on yep. what you announced six months ago. And, um, we have such precious time to work with. We want to focus on those really cool reveals that sure. maybe you didn't even stuff. know you wanted. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So like a lot of people in the audience, I'm pecking away at a pretty good demo. Mm. And one day I want my finished demo and, and all its glory on Switch. Yep. How do I, as a dude coding in my garage, make that happen? Yeah. So right now I mentioned we have a closed um, development environment, but we accept pitches. And mm -hmm. My team and I, we're looking at, we actually manually go through all of the pitches that are coming through. I mean, and, and it could be, on average, it's probably around 50 a week mm -hmm. that we're getting. Um, it, sometimes it's much more, sometimes it's a little bit less. But we're going through those. Um, we've got some guidelines that we're working towards, and we kind of evaluate whether it's meeting those guidelines or not. And then we either say yay or we say, unfortunately, it, this opportunity isn't available for you right now, but keep posted because we do intend one day to open up that dev environment mm -hmm. for everybody. Mm -hmm. We're just not there yet. Mm -hmm. So we ask for patience there. Or we ask them to revise their pitch and to uh, go a different direction or, or to prove something that we're looking for. Um, for us, we're, we're not just looking at the content. Mm -hmm. We're also looking for the aptitude of the developer and their capabilities of um, reading instructions and following instructions and getting through this process with as little hand-holding as possible um, just because we are resource-constrained with mm -hmm. the amount of business that's going on right now. So we look for those um, developers that really know show that they know what they're doing or they're willing to cooperate in, in an efficient manner to get that through. Um, so if all of those stars align, then we kind of check the box and we move them through and we give them access and they can access the forums and the white papers and order dev kits and on their way. Do you recommend brevity in a pitch? Um, that helps, but it, it also, you know, you need to convey, you know, what's, what's good about it and it shouldn't be confined to just a couple of sentences okay. or an elevator pitch we've heard a lot of elevator pitches and we've received a lot of like full gameplay overviews and tech documents and walkthroughs that are way more information like a yellow pages showing up yeah, on this game yeah. totally so um i think it's you know we we unfortunately can't share the guidelines we can't really mm -hmm. share a, a preferred template it would be nice to have some sort of an awesome template that we could just say, fill all of this in and then we can evaluate it. So maybe we'll get to that uh, one day. But um, right now, I mean, what we've been saying is we, we put a heavy emphasis on 
partner curation versus content curation. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been working really hard on, on that over the course of this last year. So working with trusted partners, you know, indie publishers or um, developers that have already kind of proven themselves, and we entrust them to tell us what content is going to make sense for the platform. You know, mm-hmm. if it's a, a publisher like uh, a Raw Fury or a Devolver or an Adult Swim, Chucklefish, Team so 17, weird. all of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's going to be weird yeah, and bloody and crazy. Yeah. But I mean, there's... Neon colors. <laughs> yeah. Pixelated, yeah, gory, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, but, but any of these um, publishers, you know, they've instilled a level of trust uh, mm-hmm. with us. Mm-hmm. And, and so then if they come to us and say, hey, this game is going to be perfect on Switch, but they're not signed up yet, can you help get them through? Then we, we hmm. do acknowledge that. And we're like, yep, no problem. We'll get you through. So that's also another way of, you know getting your game through is, is establishing those relationships with some of those. Um, there's so many indie publishers these days. Everybody is, even the major publishers are Making starting up their labels, own indie yeah. labels, yeah. you know? So mm-hmm. there are a lot of opportunities um, to work with uh, some of those trusted partners that we have. It's kind of become a meme of the whole, when's it coming to switch uh, situation? <laughs> like, is that, uh, do you see that as a good thing or is it kind of stressful where it's like, ah, oh, man, like we, we just don't have the capabilities to do all of this? I think it depends. I, I, I think it, it really depends on whether it's an experience that makes sense for Nintendo Switch. I think because a lot of these indie developers are making money off of the platform, then there's a rush to go to this hot new thing and sure. try and take advantage of it. So, no, I don't think everything makes sense to, to come over to Nintendo Switch. But I do think that if there's an experience, like the beauty of the platform is that if it's a console experience, this might be the first time that you can take it on the go. Mm-hmm. And if it's a mobile experience, maybe this is the first time that you can play it on a TV or play it with console controls. controls. Yeah. And so if it kind of bridges that gap, then there's a really cool opportunity there for that content. At the indie mix here at GC on Monday night, you know, for mm-hmm. if you're, it's a few dozen different uh, shoulder to shoulder in there. Yeah, you, indie games all there set up. It's an awesome event. I love it. It's one of my favorite things. And this year, every demo I would get would end with, and uh, we also, you know, are going to be coming to this little guy, and they bust out this. You want to play the Switch version? with the Switch version? We haven't asked yet, but and it's like everyone had their Switches and their games loaded because they're all that, so stoked. That's that's the coolest way. I think of if anything, that's the most brilliant element of being able to develop on Nintendo Switch. Yeah, is you no longer have to bring like a PC rig yep. or a yeah. huge fourteen pound laptop with you everywhere you go at GDC. It's just like take it out yep. of your pocket and you can show your game in the way that it's supposed to be seen. And it's we had the the messenger folks come through right, oh, yeah. and their whole thing was like, "Well, we could bring the PC and they, wait. Do you guys have a switch dock there? Yeah. Oh yeah, we got that. <laughs> oh, I was like, oh great, perfect. Okay, great, thank you. Yes, that's way easier. Yeah, <laughs> I love that game. Oh that's my right. god, Sabotage or oh yeah. yeah, yeah. What's uh, what's the most fun you've had playing a game on Switch? The most fun I've had. Um, I am a sucker for any for inclusivity i like i I love any game where you can play with a big group of people Mm. so actually some of the most fun that i've had with switch would be like nights with like jackbox oh yeah Yeah. oh my god um or or um uh i've made enemies introducing people to overcooked oh yeah but i've made a lot of friends introducing people to like lovers in a dangerous space time Mm. yep um both of them are brilliant experiences, but yeah. it's it's you kind of have to read your audience as well in terms of like <laughs> recommending a game. But yeah, I, I kind of the most fun that I have um, with Switch in particular is in playing multiplayer games mm-hmm. in the same room. Yep. Um, you mentioned Golf Story before that game. I was sucked in. Uh, they actually use that term, I think, in the <laughs> game. Um, I was sucked in. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, for like the 20 hours straight in order to get from start to finish. You know, I just loved that game um, and totally got immersed into that kind of RPG um, golf mechanic. Uh, It was brilliant. So, you know, SteamWorld Dig 2 as well. Start to finish, I had to binge it like Netflix just to get all the way through to the end. Um, I'm playing uh, Night in the Woods at the moment as well Mm -hmm. and kind of binging on that as well. But, um, yeah, I think in terms of fun... uh, yeah, it's definitely playing with other people. 
Yeah, yeah. I love that you said Jackbox. I, I, yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely. I, it, it's it's a wonderful combination of accessibility and in a couple of unique ways. Accessibility can mean a lot, but yeah. the idea that anybody on appropriate devices can jump in, anybody that's familiar with games or not so familiar with games can jump in. Yeah. Well, it, it is, like you said, inclusive, and, yeah. and that's wonderful. You can do it almost anywhere. You can do it over a Skype chat. You can mm-hmm. do it at a party, and yeah. it's lovely. Yeah. That's no. really cool. I, I, yeah. I appreciate that. We were definitely, like, cheeks hurt from laughing yeah. Yeah. over exactly. the course of that night. It was awesome. <laughs> so with the Switch being region-free, does mm-hmm. that affect indie games in any major way um yeah because it's still region specific for digital content you still have to log into like a region regional e-shop yeah, um, in order to access it um but it does allow for a lot more flexibility of of access um the fact that we can do a single rom submission we do a global rom mm-hmm. um instead of you having to submit um your game to three different regions in order to get it through is a huge time saver for developers. Um, so that's really convenient. Um, but in terms of the access, yeah, it's been, um, I think that's, it's an area that we want to expand on as well. I think we, we are working on, you know, how do we, or at least evaluating whether we can expand eShops, Nintendo eShops into other regions as well. But um, right now, we see a lot of people kind of diving into it. The, the The cool thing is that, for the most part, the European and the North American releases are pretty much synced up. Um, it's not like back in the day where there was like a huge six-month gap between when a physical cartridge actually yeah. made its way or got yeah. localized over into other regions. So that's a lot uh, a faster process. Um, and what's really cool is that um, Japan is really being a lot more proactive about embracing indie content. And our teams over there are really trying to bring over as much indie content as possible uh, and digital only content um, because that's still kind of a newer market over in that region. So mm-hmm. it's exciting to see them kind of jumping on board and a lot of our developers over here localizing and being able to distribute in Japan for the very first time. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Has the how's the the split between physical and and digital growing? Because you you did a presentation mm. at GDC a couple of days ago. I mm-hmm. saw that I thought was interesting. Yeah, it's amazing. It's uh, it's so geeky that I would appreciate <laughs> this. But Nintendo has always been known as like, okay, you buy physical cartridges mm-hmm. and you collect them, you hang on to them. Um, but with Nintendo Switch, I mean, uh, definitely on the third party side then our digital business is actually greater than the packaged goods business, Mm. which is what all of the major publishers are saying as well. You see the financial updates from EA, Take-Two, Ubisoft, um, uh, Bethesda. Everybody is basically saying, yeah, our digital sales are greater than packaged. And that is awesome to see that reflected on Nintendo Switch as well. It means that we share a, a similar audience, which you would never really expect. Uh, yeah, that was the, the other cool thing during the presentation you did was you, you had the slides of like the Nintendo demographic and how you were talking about how it would be the, the kids that are playing for the first time or yeah. the adults that grew up with Nintendo. Right. But then you showed Karen, <laughs> the woman <laughs> from the original uh, Nintendo Switch commercial, bringing yeah. the Switch to the party and you were yeah. joking. It's like, yeah, I mean, dude bros and people at parties are now the demo for yeah. Nintendo as well. I mean, I thought she was an asshole back in the, time, <laughs> in the day. I mean, And who? now how many times? Have you been out at a party yes. or an event and you're like, it's the commercial. The commercial has really come to life. It happens to me all I, the time. A couple days ago, eating eating dinner at a restaurant, and like I look over and I'm like, I can't believe this is actually, I was like, they're playing Mario Kart right now. Yeah. Yeah. And they're the cool person. Like, yeah, 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 how did yeah. that happen? I, I am going to be Karen for Halloween. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we're already working on the costume. No, but I mean, like that's the thing about when we're talking about how the Switch works and where it excels and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. It is the fact that it goes with me anywhere I go. And I buy everything digital. I, you know, I bought the the biggest memory card I could. So now there's just dozens of games on my Switch for whatever mood you're in, or like when I'm getting ready for a flight, going to the eShop and be like, I've heard about this and I heard about that, and I'll do that and buy a whole bunch of different stuff. You just have there as this like smorgasbord when you get there. Yeah. So you know, with this gold rush that we keep talking about of everybody trying to get on the Switch and like the yeah. Switch version sells better than everywhere else combined and all that. You know, as as pundits, we sit here and we're like, that's going to end eventually. Mm. 
What are your guys' thoughts on that? Like, do you God, have I not? <laughs> but I mean, do you? Are, is there conversations happening to try to like maintain a way to keep that going? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We want to keep that momentum going, and a lot of it has to do with you know, can we um, add even more ways of promoting that great content mm. and marketing it and uh, creating visibility for that great content? Um, you know, first year. Um, really proud of the the quality the caliber of of content that uh came through on nintendo eShop. um we have to keep that going but then you add to that catalog you know that mm -hmm. that doesn't go away that's still there and you still want people to know about you know the best sellers and and the best experiences that are on the platform but you have to find ways of adding to that as well so you know yeah i i hope that people don't use it or or um expect that just because they release the title on Nintendo Switch and automatically it's going to sell better. Here come the big bucks. Yeah, it's it's a lot more than that. You know, they got to especially this day and age with indie development, you have to put as much time into the marketing and the promotion of yeah. it as you do mm -hmm. on the development side. And and that's tricky, but um when we find the things that we're passionate about and that we believe in, then we try and lend a helping hand there as well and hopefully we can keep finding more opportunities to do that. Cool. Looking at the like the, the top ten from last year of the the selling games, was there any of those that you were like surprised at how well it did? Um, it's hard because I saw all those sales numbers on a regular basis, so it wasn't like a real big surprise. Um, uh, I mean, I was really happy to see so many of those titles because all of them I thought were deserving. Um, I even spent a lot of time with NBA Playgrounds. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, but like all of those titles were were great and they were all unique experiences and they were all all cool. Actually, I met with Psionics this morning and they're a little bit hurt. They're like, I thought, you know, I saw the list of indie titles and I was like, dude, indies is like a self-declared term. I'm not going to assume that anybody is an indie because yeah. some people get offended by that. Some of the bigger publishers are, are like, um, you know, they're definitely independent. But, um, you know, maybe they don't want to self-identify as being indie. Um, so we don't we try not to assume on any of that. But, geez, Rocket League has killed it this year mm -hmm. as well. So, um, yeah, we don't want to leave anybody out. Um, Cry me a river, Simon. I know, I know. <laughs> Get out of here, Jeremy Dunham. Yeah. You're fine. <laughs> who, uh, who coined the term Nindy? Um, there was a person on Twitter that actually came up with the term. <laughs> okay. um, I can't remember his name, but when I saw it, I was like, I really want to use this. And uh, so I reached out to him to get permission. Um, and he was like, okay, that's cool. Um, and I saved he's the just, tweet. He's just like, never forget my name though. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you always reference me by name when you talk about this story. Oh, I feel terrible. <laughs> I but I have it all saved and everything just for records. But it, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think that um, it was a great opportunity, especially during the Wii U days, mm -hmm. for that community to kind of all rally around each other and support mm -hmm. each other. I mean, we used to participate in the IndieCade mm -hmm. um, show over in um, Culver City uh, every year, uh, which is a great, great show. And like a few years ago, I mean, we had this awesome um, indie presence there and those developers still stay in touch. I mean, they're all like this super tight bond because they were one of the first groups of, of Nindies that we kind of banded together and, mm -hmm. and that we promoted them uh, as a group. And um, it's really cool to see those relationships, you know, build over time and, and stay true. Uh, it's so important in this industry. Uh, it's all about, sharing you know um yeah. and and sharing those ideas and that experience and uh i'm i'm glad that we've got that that sense of community with nintendo as well and it's definitely still going being in the at the the demos a couple of days ago playing through all the the new nindies that were announced like there is definitely a sense of camaraderie between all the different devs and especially this like contingent of montreal people where oh it's, my like, gosh. it's like it's <laughs> like the like u.s needs games. to step up <laughs> yeah, and it's cool it's cool to see them kind of like band together and support each other's games and uh, we, me and Kev were playing a, a demo of, of one of the games and people were like, no, if you like this, you got to go over there and play this other yeah. one. And it's like, it's cool where it is this, this idea of, yeah, maybe not everything's for everyone, but there's definitely a couple things there for you. What are you most excited for of the games that we, 
that you announced this week? They're all my babies. Yeah. I'm not going to choose just one. I mean, I'll mean, i answer for you. Legacy, Luminous, all right? Oh my Brand gosh. new, though, out the gate. You got to go with Garage. Thank you, everybody. It's been a good game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, both those games are brilliant. The Trance Vibration stuff and Luminous. Uh, when I went over there and they were like, all right, so I'm like, oh, Mizuchi, all right, yeah, all right. Yeah, of course. Putting them underneath my legs. Like, yeah. yeah. It, it was funny. I mean, just. Even if you weren't there at the booth, every so often you'd hear this, ooh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So if, you're not, Rumble, if man. you're not familiar, remember when like when they uh, Res was coming out for PSVR and they were showing the Res suit that had all the... The uh, trance vibrator, uh, Exactly. It's yeah. all wearing me and goons. When I sat down to do the Luminous demo this time around, I'm a huge Luminous fan, uh, they were like, all right, cool. They gave me a belt that had two extra Joy-Cons in the sides. They gave me two extra Joy-Cons to put in my pockets, and then they gave me two extra ones to put underneath my legs while I sat down. That way with the beat and the music yeah. and it would go and it was like it was it's so I, I'm like I can see me doing this as a huge <laughs> luminous dork I'm gonna do this when I, when, when I lived in Japan I had a couple of chances to buy the original res trans vibrator but it was mm. always used oh. and yeah. it came with a little like like washable vibrator condom and I just mm -hmm. couldn't bring myself no, to purchase no, it no, and no. I kind of regret that yeah but, <laughs> I'm super stoked about the messenger yeah. That's the game. I got to, we did a let's play that uh, if you're watching live, it's not live yet, but tomorrow it'll be live on Friday. Friday, it's going live to everybody. You can watch it. Um, I'm absolutely in love with the game. It's so cool. It's a Ninja Gaiden esque game. It's 8 bit and then it turns 16 bit and you have to solve platforms that way. Uh, the art style changes, the music changes. I. Cannot believe how cool that looks. Full disclosure, uh, my wife is doing uh, brand and PR stuff for it. Yeah. Uh, I uh, Brian Altano yesterday tweeted, he's like, this is going to be the shovel night of this year. And mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, that's such a good way to put this. Like, mm -hmm. I, I think that there's so much love, care, humor put into it. I had a blast playing it for the 30 minutes I did. Um, another one that me and Kev played was Just Shapes and Beats. That's oh, yeah. So good. <laughs> it's a, a rhythm uh, shmup. Have you, have you seen this? No. I feel like it'd be right up your alley as well. It's what a bunch is this of, called? It's called Just Shapes and Beats. Okay. It's what the game is. Just some shapes and some beats. All right. Uh, and you can play up to four players, and you're these little shapes flying around, shmup style, but it's all like the, the things are attacking you. It's all based on rhythm. Oh, oh yeah. I mean. And it's it's really, really cool. Uh, Kevin was so bad at it. <laughs> it blew my mind. Kevin! <laughs> it's like, you're out there representing kind no, of funny. No, no, no. For a sec, I was like, I'm not going to play this. And then the dev, very nice guy, was like, come on. And I was like, honestly, I don't want to play this. I'm really bad at rhythm games. And Tim was like, yeah, he's really bad. I really wanted to play because, of course, right up my alley. Of course. Like, me, me, and Kev, me and Kevin were waiting play. in line to no play. One will I wasn't waiting in line to play. I was I waiting in line. next to me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Andrew, Renee, and, and Brittany from What's Good Games were playing in front of us. And I'm just watching Super Andrew. Kev's back there talking shit. Being like, every time they mess up, talking shit. And then we go Jess, to sit no, down. Just when Andrea messes up because she's so good at rhythm games. She's, and then, she's famous for being good at rhythm games. We know that. I is that, that what she's famous for? She is. Okay. Amplitude. Oh, yeah, she's damn good. I know she's good at it. I'm just saying. Famous for it. That's famous what she's famous for. That's true. All right, my apologies. Okay. I'm trying to see what else. Oh, Kevin, you you played uh, this one, Poodoo? Puda? Uh, Puda, but they're saying that it's just going to be called Pode. Good. Okay, Pode. P-O-D-E is what it <laughs> yes. is. Uh, and it, it talks to people about it. No, it's okay for this. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It's a, like, it's a, it's a co-op, if you want it to be, a game where you can switch whether you're this little rock guy or this light ball, like a little star. And um, I think that the story is that the light is a star that fell to Earth and is trying to get back up there and the rock's helping him. But, like, they each have these little powers you can do. And it's just a fun little puzzle game that's beautiful. It's got a fantastic style and a lot of fun. It's like yeah. a third-person snipper clips style game. Mm -hmm. uh, me and Kev played, and uh, the accessibility is a big thing there uh, where there's a functionality where if you click in on one of the sticks, you can take control of the other other one. So okay. if you're playing with like a little kid, um, you don't or need to, to... Huh? Or Tim. <laughs> so there's two ways to look at it. If you play with a little kid, you can like take control of them. And the idea behind that is it's kind of like no kid wants you to take the control and be like, oh, I'll do it for you. Yeah. But when it's part of the gameplay, it makes it feel a bit more like, sure. natural. Um, but then there's the other side of when you're two grown men 
uh, you can just switch <laughs> and mess around. Start walking like New Super Mario Bros. Mm-hmm. style. Okay. Uh, start walking towards a cliff and then switch characters so they keep walking. Oh. Um, or when you're Kevin, who just likes to play co-op puzzle games by himself, sure. he'll just mm. insist to do it all. I'm just flashing back to my, like, my driver's ed teacher with his brake over yeah, the other totally. side of the car. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no, no. Oh. But yeah, it, it was definitely, it was cool. And like, it's that, those types of unique experiences and like, gameplay enhancements that I'm like, I love that there's thought being put into this. So it's like anybody can play these games and have fun with them. Yeah. Uh, I do love bomb chicken. Oh my oh, God. That bomb chicken that looks awesome. Yeah. It's Did you a, play it? Yeah. 2D yeah. platformer uh, where you're, you're this fat little chicken that just lays, lays bombs uh, and the bombs you can stack on top of each other. The simplest control scheme of all time. You can just move, and one button is bomb. There's no jump. The only way to jump is to bomb yourself up and, and go. Uh, and it is so cool. You can play with awesome. one. You can play with one Joy-Con, even like any button combination you want, because you can use the trigger to jump and then just move with the the stick. And it it's super funny looking and uh, really uh, again puzzle based yeah. uh, and and fun. Kevin had a great time with it as well. It sounds great. Yeah, I liked it a lot from my demo. Oh man. Trying to think, see what else I played. I still, I, I mentioned it in passing, but Garage, I really dug. Yeah. yeah. It's like what? Easiest pitch would be like, it looks like Hotline Miami. It's uh-huh. a twin stick shooter of uh, you're stuck in a, you wake up in a garage and there are zombies and there are police and they're fighting each other and you are, they're also fighting you now, like both the zombies and the police. So you're just marching through, getting ammo, getting health, trying to survive and figure out what's going on in this garage. Yeah. It looks cool. Love the art style of that one. Uh, and oh, yeah, and Travis, Travis Strikes Again was yeah. playable mm-hmm. yeah. uh, at this. And I loved looking at it because it, it seems to me, from at least the bit that we saw, it, it's not exactly the same gameplay as the original No More Heroes, No More Heroes 2, but it is a bit more of a top-down perspective that mm-hmm. I actually think fits the, the, the story and the gameplay style a lot better. Um, so I'm very excited, excited for that one. And then while we were there, there was the announcement that Hyperlight Drifter... Mm-hmm. Um, Nidhogg 2 and yeah. Crashlands are coming in Nidhogg yeah. 2. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, especially with the, the Joy-Con shit yeah. on yeah, that. That's like a, that's a no-brainer. Oh, yeah, that's going to be good. Yeah. All right, I promised that I would get you out of here by 4.30. Shout oh, out to West of Lothian. It is West of Lothian. Well. Oh, dude, cool. asymmetric, yeah. yes. I know, no, our stick figure RPG. All right, yeah. 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 I yeah. played it at PAX a long time ago and really mm-hmm. dug it, and then they broke my heart when they just said PC. But now it's coming to Switch. It's coming to Switch. Yeah. They listened. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we got to let you go. Do you okay. have any, any any final things to say? No, about this anything? is an honor. I've been watching you guys forever. Congratulations on all your success. Thank you. you. How uh, You guys are killing it these days, so... Thank you so much for thinking of me. This is really nice. No, please. Yeah, no, no, you, you came by. Thank time, you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I just slid in his DMs. That's literally how that happened. I'm happy this worked out as yeah. well as it did. Uh, but Damon, thank you very much. No, I will, you. I'll let you let you go. Are we good on time? Everything good? Awesome. We did it. <laughs> good job. We did it. Yeah, Yay! nice job, Tim. What a host. What a host. Uh, a winner is you. There we go. Winner uh, is you. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Kind of Funny Games cast. Each and every week, we get together to talk about video games, all things we love about them, and thank you for loving us doing that. Uh, Patreon.com slash kind of funny games where you can get it early and oh, watch yeah. it live. You can get the pre-show, the post-show, and all that stuff. What? I was looking at the tabs. Pool panic. I forgot about that. We didn't talk about pool yeah, panic. Yeah, physics-based. I, I saw that at Day of the Devs on the big movie screen. I was like, this is a trip. This is a weird This is ass. an adult swim. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Uh, until next week. I love you. And everybody buy Luminous when it comes out, so we keep getting <laughs> Luminous. It's the best puzzle <laughs> game of all time.